Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 100 of the Founder Podcast. Woohoo! What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning? It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high-quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. Uh, Sorry about the woohoo, I thought I'd just mix it up. It's a celebratory episode, we've reached a milestone, that's a hundred episodes now and it's crazy to think that we started this podcast November 2014 and how far it's come uh, it's been so incredible uh, to speak to so many of you guys so many of our listeners so many people in our community we have such an amazing community here at founder and it's only growing and uh, it's just been such an amazing experience. If I look back on the past 100 episodes, it's just been an absolute wave of knowledge shared and a wave of knowledge that I've been able to, luckily enough, take in. And it's just been a great journey. And uh, we're having a lot of fun here at Founder. And, uh, you know, every single day we get closer to our vision and mission to now impact the lives of tens of millions of entrepreneurs consuming our content. So because it is the 100th episode, I thought it would be cool to just have a little bit of a celebration, mix things up, uh, switch gears, and have one of my good dear friends, Dan Norris, interview me. Uh, Now, Dan Norris is a fellow Australian. He's based out of the Gold Coast. I met him about a year ago. I think we were speaking at a, another at the same conference or something in in Melbourne, and uh, yeah, we've just kind of um, really hit it off. And he's someone that I speak to pretty much on a daily basis now. Um, he's really into startups like me, and uh, he runs like three different companies. He's co-founder of a company called WP Curve. He runs a brewing company called Black Hops Brewing, and uh, he also. Uh, has his own line of books uh, called The Seven Day Startup Content Machine. And now he's creating another book on how to start your own brewery, uh, which is really, really cool. So this guy, uh, I have a lot of respect for Dan and uh, he's done a lot of interviews himself. So I thought it would be really cool. And uh, he asked a lot of interesting questions. I hope I hope they're interesting for you guys. Anyways, I thought I thought he did a great job. And uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun and, and, and some good laughs. And uh, you guys might see a side uh, to me that you've never seen before, which might be interesting for you guys. Otherwise, um, you can get a picture uh, and an insight around how we're trying to build this media startup and 
how far I'm trying to take it and what's working, what's not working, and uh, the things that I'm working on behind the scenes that you guys might not be aware of. So yeah, guys, look, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time, attention, and uh, just spreading the word. I know many of you do tell your friends and uh, you know if you haven't told a friend that's an entrepreneur that you think would like this, please do. And uh, yeah, look, thank you so much for your time and uh, your support and being part of this community. We're building something truly amazing here. All right, now let's jump into the show. Nathan from Founder Magazine. Question number one, how did you get your job? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow, I'd never been on the receiving end of that. So, It's one of those kind of awkward questions, but it normally gets a good answer in the end. Mm, you want to know the work the work that I'm doing today at Founder or you want to know... Yeah, how did it how, start? How, how did yeah. you start Founder and what were you doing before? Yeah, so I started Founder March 2013 uh, while I was working my day job at the time, which was IT support at a company called Intrepid Travel. And it all started really because I was just like hating working in IT and... I wanted to do something else. Like I I wanted to find work that I was passionate about. I was just kind of one of these people that, you know, hated my nine to five job but didn't want to accept it. And, you know, a little bit before I launched the magazine, I uh, was was going down this path of of like trying to work out, you know, what, what I wanted to do, wanted to be an entrepreneur, read uh, Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Hmm. Um, I went back to uni during that period as well while I was working um, full-time. I went back and did a master's of marketing and I was doing that part-time and then I wrapped that because I thought I wanted to work in marketing but then no one would give me a job. So I was like maybe I could do online marketing and then I ended up finding The Challenge by Ed Dale and then I was on um, his email list and then yeah, you know, he he talked about this um, amazing software that he was building called Magcast, which would allow you to create your own digital magazine. And I thought that that was such a brilliant idea um, to to create a magazine on the App Store, on the Google Play Store for mobile and tablet devices. And uh, I purchased that software. So, you know, I found an off-the-shelf publisher. And I, I did um, look at a few other options at the time as well for creating a digital magazine. So this idea was kind of fueled that maybe a, a good business idea would be a, a digital magazine. And at first, actually, I was going to do a magazine on horse racing. Because <laughs> you – I don't know if I've ever told you this, Dan, but you know how much I love um, like like horse racing, right? Yeah, yeah, I know you like going to the races. Yeah, yeah, like I have a like a share, like a one percent share in a horse. One of my best mates and and my housemate, my ex housemate, I don't live with him anymore. He was like a horse racing journo, and he's always on TV on like um like TVN and stuff. And like he's he's he got me into horse racing, and um yeah, I just really enjoy it. So I was thinking of starting a horse racing magazine with him. And uh, it was going to be like, you know, just covering horse racing around the globe, but then really focusing during the spring carnival. And and we like really were like talking about doing it because we we're living together. So I purchased the software to to create your own magazine, like a, and your own app. And um, yeah, look, I, I didn't have much money at the time. It cost me 2K USD to, to use that software. And I put on my credit card had no money at the time. I always was terrible with money. I used to literally like always travel and then fill up my credit card and then just work towards paying it off during my day job. Hmm. And I'd never be like on a positive balance. And whenever I got paid, I'd have to, you know, put all my or everything I earned onto my credit card and I'd live off my credit card. Like that's how that's how much I used to struggle. Yeah. And um, you know, I didn't make much uh at my day job. And I was just like, you know, it was it was not really a money thing, but at the same time it was. It was more like I needed to find work that fulfilled me, and that was that was the core driving factor. So, um, what happened was my horse, uh, my my horse racing magazine idea just kind of canned, and because my my housemate he got a job uh, full time at a company called Racing.com. Yeah, and he couldn't he couldn't he wasn't allowed to do any side gigs. Oh, okay. And and what the funny thing is, is I always do something with someone. I don't like being alone. I always go to the shops by some with someone. I always travel with someone. I'm, I'm not a very independent person. <laughs> and the magazine was like kind of the 
first big step of, of like kind of me doing something independently. And, and what really led up to that was during that whole time. So I stuffed around, dude, for at least six months trying to work out what this magazine was going to be. So I purchased the software in June 2012. And then I had to go to France to do my exchange. I did an exchange in France in a town called Rance. Uh, it's called Champagnon, but pronounced as Rance. And uh, anyways, I did, a, I did I finished off the rest of my degree doing an exchange in France. And I was traveled all around Europe. And during that time, I was thinking, what am I going to do for the magazine? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And and then um, my housemate told me he got a job and then he couldn't. He couldn't do it anymore. And and then I was thinking about what ideas and, you know, I started listening to podcasts. I started reading about people like Pat Flynn and reading his blog and like even like reading like Yarrow's blog and all these crazy people. And what ended up happening was I, I just came up with this light bulb moment when I got back was like, okay, well, there's actually no magazines out there for young entrepreneurs, for aspiring entrepreneurs, for novice stage entrepreneurs. I think there might be something here. And then I thought to myself, well, I don't know anything about entrepreneurship. Why don't I just use this magazine as a side hustle project to learn about business, to learn about entrepreneurship and, you know, just report what I'm finding every month in the magazine. And also at the same time, maybe I can get a marketing job (laughs) and get some experience because no one would hire me because I didn't have any experience. And then, you know, um, it took, you know, as you, as you can imagine, it took a while to launch the magazine, about five, four or five months and uh, went up and back, went through a few different graphic designers, ended up settling with uh, the still to this day, the designer we use, Karen, and uh, he's amazing. And he's from India. I even went to his wedding with, with my girlfriend, Emily, and it was just amazing uh, to meet him in person. And uh, yeah, launched the magazine. First day we launched, made $5. And then it was like, Okay, now now we've got actually two people buying the magazine uh, and subscribed. Uh, how, how are we going to 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 create the next issue? And then you know, I just me as a person, I don't like to let people down, especially if they were paying for something. Yeah, and just knowing that we have those subscribers, I just produce the magazine every single uh, month. And um, then you know, after about a year, I built it up um, the recurring revenue from Apple and, and Google Play to replace. My income took me about a year and uh, replaced my income, could cover operating costs, pay myself a mees- like a measly salary. And uh, then I left my job and went full time on it. And that was about two years ago, two and a half year, about two years ago. And um, yeah, here we are today. So that's, that's how I started. Well, that's cool. Well, a couple of things. First of all, I've got about 20 questions. So if you're going to take 10 minutes to answer every <laughs> single question, this is going to be a long ass podcast. Yeah, sorry, my bad, dude. I'll, I'll, yeah, okay, let's, let's, I'll do a better job. The, the other thing I realized is your story is, is quite similar to mine. Like I've, I also, I've actually failed marketing, um, so I had to change degrees. I, I also read those, those two books you mentioned are probably the most influential books I've read to actually get me make major changes in my business. Rich Dad Poor Dad was the one that really got me to start a business, and Four Hour Work Week was the one that got me to sell my business, which was also in June 2012 to start um, a new business, which is kind of funny. And I also did the challenge really early on and was, was, um, learned everything about online marketing from that. And my family used to own racehorses. So that's kind of crazy. That is so crazy, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I never actually realized that. I knew you liked the races, but you know, most people who like the races don't like horses. They just like going to the races. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of both. Yeah. Sport is good in Melbourne too. It's like a whole new level. Races, footy, anything. Mm, yeah, I don't, I don't really like sport that much. But I resonate with you too about how you said you failed marketing. Like in my first degree, I failed like six subjects, dude. And I was trying to transfer to marketing but couldn't because I failed so many subjects. Wow, that's funny. <laughs> I, I, had, I had to transfer out of marketing because I got a two. And a two, a, a two is a pass if marketing isn't your major. But if it is your major, then it's not counted. So I wanted that subject to count. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we both end up in marketing. That's pretty cool. All right, so I better move yeah. on. Um, with, with, so I've, I've got a bunch of questions about Founder and, and about the business behind it and, and also about the podcast being the 100th episode. Um, but with, with the magazine, so, so you're hustling together these early issues. Was there a moment in there when you went from just like some, some guy randomly putting these magazines together to, you know, like really getting on the map, like really getting people's attention? Was was there like a one one moment that stands out? 
when we got the 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 interview with Richard Branson, that was a massive pivotal turning point for the business. Like we've had we've had some big events that have really kind of been pivotal turning moments, and that was the first one. So how far um, in was that from when you started? Uh, so first four months in, I pitched Richard Branson, and uh, so I, you know found his his head of PR, pitched her. Uh, spoke picture on the phone as well. And um, I ended up landing that interview and that cover story. And that went out live issue number eight. But at the same time, the, when I just got the interview with Richard Branson, we were actually sued for trademark infringement uh, by one of the biggest ba- business magazines in the States. I can't say who it was. And so the name wasn't actually called Founder. It was called something else. So four months in, we got the interview with Richard Branson, which was a pivotal point, and also we changed the name. And the name is 100 times better than what we previously had. And I think that was a massive blessing in disguise and also a pivotal point as well. That's crazy. That would have been a crazy time for you. Oh, man, it was super, super, super stressful. Like I was lucky enough that the company that I was working at, they, the CEO actually helped me work through that lawsuit and also one of my other mentors. Uh, so, yeah, I had a lot of support where I was lucky and um, didn't end up having to pay anything. I was served. Um, like I got my FedEx package. And it's just, a, a if anything, really good ad, adding thing to the story now. Bloody hell. Welcome to business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome <laughs> to business. First ever business, uh, four months in, get served. Yeah. By big corporation. Jeez. It was scary. Um, with when you mentioned the Richard Branson, like you pitched, pitched the, the PR person on the phone. Can we dig into that a little bit? Like, like I know when I first saw Founder Magazine, I just kind of assumed it was like this big epic organization. Like when I found out it was you, I'm like, holy shit, I didn't actually know that. Like it was really surprising. Like how, how, how do you actually get these people to do like four or five months in, like how are you getting these people to be on, on your magazine? Yeah. So look with full transparency, Dan, the first issue, if you look at that, it doesn't even have a successful person on the front cover. It's a stock image. It's like this Superman thing. It's super embarrassing. So if you go to foundermag.com forward slash magazine, you'll if you scroll down, you'll be able to see the first issue, the cover of the first issue. So at, at, at the start, no one would get back to me. And I just kind of worked my way up. Like, you know, the second issue we had Dan, um, I'm sorry, not Dan, we had, we had Ed Dale on the front cover. Yeah. And then the third issue, we had a, a friend, a new friend of mine called Benny Sue. And then the fourth issue, we had, I think it was maybe Natalie Sisson or Neil Patel. And we just kind of worked our way up. And then once we got the Branson issue, that was a big pivotal point for us to able to be able to get more interviews with high caliber rock star influencers in the entrepreneurship startup space. Yeah, but- because I guess part of my thinking is like like some of those guys you mentioned are sort of more online marketing guys who who will pro- who probably really aren't massively hard to get because they know the value of putting themselves out there and building their personal brand and all that. But but mm. some of the guys you're getting on these days are, are guys who are going on TV. They're not. They're not writing guest posts on, on blogs for backlinks type thing. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Like, dude, I spoke to the founder of AOL, billionaire Steve Case last week. I spoke to Robert Herjavec, Shark Tank, uh, Shark on on the US Shark Tank. So, yeah, look, now it's really easy. So we actually reveal our whole process. If you go to foundermag.com forward slash get interviews, we reveal our whole process on how we get interviews with with all these hard-to-reach people. But in the early days, I got lucky. I pitched Richard Branson, found his head of PR, and played on the fact that his first business venture was, in fact, a magazine. It was a student magazine. Hmm. And also I played on the fact that, you know, we're targeting young, aspiring, novice stage entrepreneurs. And that's something that he's very big on, you know, helping the the leaders of, of tomorrow. Yeah. And even though we didn't have many readers, I just pitched and he's been on the front cover of every single business magazine anyways. It just kind of worked. I pitched for a Skype interview. He said, no, I can only do an email interview. And we just kind of ran with that and took it from there. And, um, you know, we've used that as a springboard. Now we don't have a problem getting interviews. Now we get... 10 to 20 pitches a day so it's just kind of building up that reputation but in regards to what you said around you didn't think it was me you thought it was a big corporation that's awesome to to hear that because that was something that i learned very very early on from karan um our our graphic designer for the magazine and, and our branding he taught me the power of design and and really double downing and investing on design 
is so extremely important. And and you can see any you know anyone that follows any of our stuff, you can see that across whether it's you know inside Founders Club, you know one of our you know our our membership, or you know even one of our you know training products like the Instagram course, or you know whether you go to the podcast cover artwork or our you know quotes on Instagram. Anything we put out, we pay a lot of attention to design. Yeah, and I think that gives gives it a level of credibility that sets it apart from the average website or blog for sure. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's, I think it's also like a, it's almost like something that most entrepreneurs, I think undervalue, like they kind of think they'll, they'll invest in design once they can afford to do that. And that's, it's really interesting that you, that you name design as one of the main reasons why you've been able to like really level up. I think the other thing is like, I think in business, like a lot of people, it's, it's what they think of that determines the outcome they get. And like you thought of getting Richard Branson on the front of your magazine. And that's, that's the reason you got Richard Branson on the front of your magazine. Yeah, like yeah, that's right. You don't know if you don't pitch. Yeah, and so, but so you you must have. I mean, what made you even think that he would possibly say yes to that? Like, like, how did you get the confidence to even ask him? Because he'd been on he'd been on so many other magazines, dude. Yeah, like he's been on every single business magazine. There's like if you go into the newsstand right now, like in you know the newsagents or wherever you know you get your magazines, wherever around the world there'd be magazines, business magazines, you, me and you have never heard of, right? Yeah. And you'll see him on the front cover. So like, did you strategically pick of. him because you knew he was like really big on media and thought there's more chance of him saying yes? There was a little bit of strategy, but not in like the way you're you're saying it. It was just kind of like, let's pitch, see what happens. Yeah. I, I think it might be possible. I didn't know with 100% confidence, but oh, I placed a lot of emphasis and pressure on myself and you know, you know me, like when we talk, dude, I have a lot of big hopes and dreams around, you know, the things that I do always. And I set these kind of goals. So yeah, that was one of them. I was like, oh yeah, hope this happens. But if it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't, but I hope. So so to, to dig into that just a tiny bit more before I move on, like with, say like I want to get someone on, on my podcast, if it's someone I know, even if they're like a reasonably big name, normally it'll be a case of sending them a message and asking them with, with this kind of process with getting big names like maybe not Richard Branson but maybe maybe you know Tony, Tony Robbins or Gary V or Damon Johnson some of these guys who you probably don't know beforehand what's like the level of communication back and forth that has to happen to make that happen like are we talking one or two emails or are we talking months and months of of chasing them yeah it depends see this is a really good question because it depends on the person it depends on the situation it depends on whether they're looking for press or not mm. Gary V and Tony Robbins they were both looking for press because they both launched their books. Yeah. All I had to do was find the right person to speak to. Tony Robbins was um, easier than I thought it would be because um, it turned out that he had a PR team um, that Tim Ferriss used and we just interviewed Tim Ferriss and I had a good relationship now with that PR team, like this yeah. agency. Um with Gary V, his team actually come to me because they were queuing up press for their books. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Damon John, that was a hundred percent cold. I went to, you know, I did a whole ton of searching. I went and found Damon John's website, emailed the contact form. Um, I spoke to one guy and then he said, you need to speak to this person. And then I spoke to this other person and I was emailing up and back for at least six months going up and back to get Damon on. Wow. Um, that was, that was quite an intense one. Barbara Corcoran, you know, I went to her website, emailed, they said, no, I come back a year later and said, you know, this is what's happened since. And then they said, yes. Wow. So sometimes yeah. you have to follow up. Like, you know, Jamie Oliver has said no to me and I, I need to follow that up at the moment. Um, Mark Cuban has said no to me. I need to follow that up at the moment. Uh, Elon Musk, I never got onto his team. Like they've, they've got like a, uh, this is the first time I've ever experienced this, but Elon Musk's team, like you can't cold email them. They, <laughs> like you get a bounce back. You can't cold email them. So they only have internal, that they only accept internal comps or something insane, dude. That's and I, tough. Emailed, I emailed the head of PR at Tesla and the head of PR at uh, SpaceX. So yeah, I kept getting bounce backs and I know that that's the correct email. I've looked at that person on LinkedIn and, and yeah. It, so, so yeah, it all really depends on the person, but the key, the key thing here is Dan, if that person is looking for press and who's the right person you need to speak to, that's going to say yes or no. Okay. And, and what about just to wrap up this topic, when do you give up? Like, do you give up only when they say no? Uh, yeah, I give up when they say no, but I'll come back to them. So like, for example, I tried to pitch the founder, uh, for the founder of Slack. I found their head of PR. They actually use an agency. So this I pitched their head Stuart of Butterfield? PR. 
yep, sure, Butterfield. So they have the head the head of PR sent me to their PR agency, and then the PR agency sent me to um, the global PR agency sent me to the Australian PR agency, and they said no, and I'll I'll come back. There's certain ones that I'll come back to. Steve Wozniak, I'll probably never come back to. Um, I think it's just I've tried like two or three times. I'm um, following up over the past year to year and a half. Yeah. I'll never come back to that one. I don't think it'll ever happen. And is that is, is in, in that instance, have you gotten a no or are you just getting ignored? Getting no's. Like, yeah. like, and like, yeah, I think like almost to the point that I'm annoying them. Yeah. And they're getting frustrated and irritated. <laughs> um, if that's the case, then I'll just say, look, you know, I won't bother them anymore. And then I may, maybe I'll try Steve Wozniak again in about a year or two. We'll see how we go. But um, yeah, that one in particular, I want I wanted to follow up again. Oh, cool. That's interesting. So, so just one more about the magazine. Do you have a favorite editions or favorite covers? Yeah, favorite cover and favorite edition would be the Seth Godin one. We put like so much effort into that, and the cover I love the cover. It's so cool. It's pretty much just Seth Godin with his head turned upside down, and <laughs> and I had to ask Seth's permission because I thought he might be offended by that, and he loved it. Um, <laughs> it was just around like you know. It was called the Change Makers issue, and we interviewed like it was. It was awesome. So, oh, that's cool. And Seth's a bit of a legend in the online world. I guess in in the business world generally. Yeah, yeah. Not just marketing, man. He's a startup boss, dude. Mm. All right, cool. Well, that's excellent. The, so now let's move on because also you got this magazine going. You mentioned you were getting subscriptions via the the App Store and the Play Store, which is obviously making you a little bit of money. But at some point, I know how Founder makes its money now is a bit different to just the subscription. So mm. what is it, what has found to look like right now as a business? How, how do you make your money? Yeah. So a big part of what's driving founder now is, is, is not so much the subscriptions, but more the, the backend products, uh, whether it's our membership site founders club or whether it's our course, the Instagram domination, and we're building all these other courses. But you know, what I realized right, Dan was, you can only make so much money in terms of um, from a, from a from a two dollars ninety nine a month subscription, mm. and and I think I think we did a really good job. And and what also what I realized is like founder right now. If you go to the app store right now and look at the rankings in you know America or anywhere, we're like one of the top ten business and investing magazines. So the top ten business magazine in our category always. Sometimes we even outrank Entrepreneur, Fast Company, Forbes. And I realized, you know, the money that we were making with that, like those guys mustn't be making much more than us, right? Yeah. Like, cause, cause we, like, I, like Apple actually reports gross, they report gross and they report, you know, ranking for, in terms of downloads. And I realized that we, we didn't cap out, like we haven't definitely capped out like the magazine, but I realized that, you know, any good business, I think in particular, a media company, and and I and I I was so hum, like humbled and blessed to 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 hear about this company called Mequoda, M E Q U O D A that talk about if you're a, a publisher, um, this is this is the kind of business model you should have as a publisher or a media company, and this is how it works. Yeah, and they talk about having the magazine on the front end, but having back end products, whether that's events. You know, membership sites, uh, paid newsletters, courses, all these other other revenue generating products yeah. on the back end, and and that's where it's moving. And and what those guys McQuota do is they help uh, publishers that have been running like a print magazine for twenty years, and now they're struggling because they can't make enough money off ads and subscriptions. And they're consultants. I've never paid them, but their blog posts are terrific. And I just followed that model, and um, that's that's what I've been following since. And I worked out that. It's, you know, you can only make so much from a front-end subscription, front-end product. So the magazine's always going to be the face of the business, but I believe the real money is made on the back end uh, with other products. Oh, that's cool. That's a good testimonial for their content. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's good. Like, and that's just from researching, dude. Like, I didn't know the answers. I'm not a publisher. I, I, don't, I don't come from a media company background. Um, but I just had to kind of work out, find out what's working. And, and I could see that like, uh, you know, we, we, we were hitting not market saturation, but we were doing a well enough job that maybe it was time to move on to the next thing. Yeah. And, and was the Ed Dale challenge stuff in the back of your mind? Like I know in that course, he, he talks about different ways of monetizing and building an online audience. And this stuff was probably going through your mind at the time as well. Yeah. So what was cool is I actually, you know, ended up becoming friends with Ed and, you know, um, 
even even business partners to a certain extent where we do some things together and um I've been lucky enough to to hear, you know, this is where this is what I think you should do. This is what I think is next. And um, you know, I've been speaking to people and it just kind of so-called happened that when I was trying to grow the magazine, um, you know, we we did some cool stuff on Instagram and then all these people start up and we wrote a blog post about it, and then all these people asking us to consult. And then I was reading about this stuff that McQuota was saying, and then I I sent, you know, an email out to our database at the time of like 2000 people said like, would you guys be interested in a course? Maybe, um, I don't, I don't want to do consulting and I want to keep everything under founder. Then people said, yes, I put up a sales page. They bought, then I was like, okay, like on online education, let, I want to disrupt this space. Now let's create 10 courses on every single question and every single blog post that's done really well on the site. And, uh, yeah, then it's kind of like, you know, I keep tweaking the model, as you know, Dan, like me and you were talking about founder TV and Netflix for entrepreneurs. Yeah. Like I'm constantly thinking, you know, what does the next two, three years look like? And, you know, now, right now it's found on the front end, the podcast on the front end, the social on the front end, the the, the blog, the podcast, all the front end stuff, you know, we've got a really good marketing engine. Now I need to focus on the email marketing, the funnels and building up the back end products. And then, you know, we'll want to do, you know, courses at scale, you know, getting more into video stuff and, you know, take it one step at a time. But that's how the model is looking that I'm envisioning right now. That's cool. The, the first course was at the Instagram course. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I, I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. The, the, um, just, just still on the business for now, is Instagram your biggest growth channel? Like, is that, is that the thing that like sort of made you get people into your funnel more so than anything else? Or is it something else? Yeah, it's a combination. Instagram in terms of pure cold hard leads, that's our still to this day our best growth channel. That's generated at least, I think, in the past year, hundred and at least 100,000 plus email subscribers in the past year at least, um, maybe even closer to 150,000. Uh, so that, that's been one of our biggest growth channels for sure in terms of exposure, eyeballs, leads, traffic. But another piece that's really helped is – just creating amazing content in general, giving it away for free and also building the brand. I'm very big on branding. So if we keep getting these influencers that are, you know, rock stars in the entrepreneurship startup space and we keep producing podcast episodes and giving them away and then showcasing, you know, these influencers all over our collateral, all over our site, people keep talking that word of mouth is talking mm. and then people keep spreading the word about the podcast episodes and, and the podcast is really taking off now. Like I've been doing the podcast for, uh, I started the podcast the same time I started on Instagram. So November, 2014. So the podcast has been out for 18 months and it's really starting to find its legs right now. Well, like let's, let's little, get into that. Yeah. Cause that's what I was going to move on to. What, what, yeah. um, why did you start the podcast? Because we produced the magazine and always inside every single issue, you know, we have interviews and I was putting those recording, like we do a feature write-up. So we get a writer to do a feature write-up and then those actual interviews, we were editing them and putting them inside the magazine and people could, if you wanted to, you could listen to the audio wow. um, instead of reading. Yeah. And this is so, so funny because um, I had a few friends like, when are you going to start a podcast? Um, and I always said, no, I don't want to start a podcast. I'm not interested in starting a podcast. And, you know, that's so cool that David has joined us. And, and you know David really well. But I met Dave on the phone. We've been friends since I started Founder. Like I met him in the first three or four months of starting Founder. And I remember saying to Dave, like, dude, we've got all these interviews locked up inside the magazine. I'm thinking of turning into a podcast. What do you think? Like, do you think I'd be doing a disservice to our paid magazine subscribers? And he's like, dude, he's like, I would just test it and see see what happens. And if you get any kickback or anyone complaining, then you can reevaluate from there. And still to this day, I've never had not one person complain. So it was kind of like we started the podcast as a play because we had all these amazing interviews locked up inside the magazine. Let's give away our best ones for free um, and put it in the podcast. And then and it's an alternative. Some people like to consume their content over audio. Then some people like to consume their content packaged up and to be read. And, um, you know, obviously the magazine has all these other articles and all these other you know, amazing pieces of content, but yeah, it was kind of a happy medium and, uh, you know, uh, they've just been producing every single week since. Oh, that's cool. And you mentioned that 
that the podcast is growing really quickly. What's what does your reach look like? Like, do you look at download numbers or do you look at where you're ranking in iTunes? Yeah, both. So download numbers, we get at least now 70,000 downloads a month. Wow. That's and good. also in terms of ranking, we're constantly in the top 50 uh, podcasts in the business category in America, which is the only state that I – like the only – country I care about mainly because that's where our biggest customer base is. That's where it's all happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're constantly like we're, we're creeping up and you know, it's funny. We never used to get many downloads at all. Then one, and my friend Daniel gave me some amazing advice. He said, all you have to do with podcasts and he doesn't even, he doesn't even have a big podcast, but he said, this is what I would do. This is what you have to think about. It's like, keep producing content on a consistent basis every single week, keep getting next level epic interviews and just, people will come and yeah. just you do those two things and that's what we've done. We don't even promote it very hard. We don't even like email our guests to ask them to share it or anything like that. And people are just spreading the word. And I also know that it's really taking off because I get a lot of people contacting me more than ever now, how much they love the podcast and in particular episodes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's one of those, it's one of those mediums that it's kind of hard to tell when you're getting traction, but you really notice it when you go to events because everyone comes up and talks to you and tells you that they, yeah. they know you from the podcast. Yeah, that's right. So, um, and also getting on other people's podcasts has been a big one. Getting on other people's big podcasts has been a big one as well. Yeah. So, okay. That's, that's interesting. So with the, um, getting on other people's podcasts, have you got any advice around that? Like, how have you gotten onto this? Cause I know you've been on some big ones. How have you gotten onto those? Yeah, I think, um, another pivotal turning point, we talk about pivotal turning points, Dan, another pivotal turning point, uh, was actually when I got on Pat Flynn's podcast because he's got a massive audience. Yeah, and I got on his podcast uh, this time last year, and um, that was when I was in the states. And when I came back from the states, that's when things really—that was another pivotal moment when things really started to take off. And you know, I hired my first full-time staff member. Now we've got like seven or something. Um, so. Uh, yeah, that the, to get on podcasts, I think it's all about any good partnership, a mutually beneficial exchange in value. So what I was doing was, you know, if I want to get on someone's podcast and I, and I love their work and I think they can provide value to our audience, I get them on our podcast and I get them on the magazine. And then, yeah. you know, um, I say, look, I'm not sure if this is your thing, but I'd love to come on your show. I can talk about this, 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 and this. And, and the things that I say I'm going to talk about are things I know that people want to hear about. Like, for example, how I got an interview with Richard Branson, how we've generated hundreds of thousands of email subscribers from Instagram and gone from zero to 500K in a year, how we get interviews with next level people, how we've built up this digital magazine, you know, all these other things and, and what the business model looks like. And that's the kind of questions people always love to know. And mm. I say those. And then if people say yes, they say yes. If they don't, they don't. Um, it's just kind of like good copy, just good sales stuff, like knowing what people want to hear. And, and that's kind of what I'm doing. Yeah, I always say like if you want to get in the news, you need to do something newsworthy and it's like the mm. ultimate PR hack. If you want to get on a podcast, you need to do something worth talking about. Yeah, that's right. So the next the next dream for both me and you is for us to get on like, um, you know, Tim Ferriss's podcast, or James <laughs> Altucher's, you know, or yeah, Gary Vee's maybe. They're, they're the next big ones. Yeah, no, that'd be good. Tim, Tim so I guess Tim's will be one of the biggest business podcasts now, right? Yep, that one is is definitely number one. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Um, with with the guests you've had on there, is there any guest that stood out like as as like delivering a surprising amount of value or just particularly cool to talk to? Oh man, there's been so many. Like it it comes in waves, and it's just kind of second nature to me that. I'm lucky enough to speak to these people and ask them pretty much business questions that I'm struggling with or I want to know. And uh, I just always take so much. But one in particular that was really amazing and it's a really cool story and I'll keep it tight um, <laughs> is, is when I interviewed Chris Brogan, he, I said, can you introduce me to two people? So another way I get interviews is if I interview someone, I get them to uh, introduce me to people. And sometimes that can be really powerful to get these next level interviews. And he said, I'm going to introduce you to two people that no one's ever heard of before, but they will be amazing interviews. And one of them was this guy called Gary Muller and a, a lovely guy. He runs, he runs the top bed and breakfast in the Hamptons. He invited me and Emily as personal guests after I, after I interviewed him. And we actually took up his offer last year to stay as personal guests. <laughs> um, and please keep in mind, 
uh, you know, this is this is like this is where Scarlett Johansson, Gwyneth Paltrow, they go to this bed and breakfast to to relax and stuff in the Hamptons. And we're probably going to go back, me and Emily, this year when we go to the states next month. So I took him up on that offer, and just his whole story about how he's trying to disrupt the hospitality industry is just so fascinating. And his story about how he takes care of his team and how much of an amazing leader he is. It's just so incredibly fascinating. It took me, it, he blew me away. It was it was one of my favorite episodes to date. That's very cool. And and if the people listening haven't heard it, do you remember the episode number? Yeah, it's uh, episode 21. Cool. Okay, sounds good. So let's move on. I, I know you've got a bunch of communities online. You mentioned before the Instagram Domination Course and Founder Club. I'm, I'm a part of both of those communities and you've got a really active group of people in there. So I put the question out to them. What would they ask you if they got the chance to interview you? Um, and I had uh, probably about 30 or 40 responses, but I picked a few out of, out of here that I particularly liked. Um, so let's get into those. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Paul Higgins, and this was a question I was going to ask you anyway, uh, but Paul Higgins says, who inspires you in business? Yeah, wow. Um, there's heaps of people that I kind of follow that I really like to follow and I listen to every single word they say. I listen to everything that Gary Vee does. He really inspires me. Yeah. Uh, I quite often, as I mentioned to you the other day, I really like Ben Horowitz mm. and I listen to everything that he does. Um, he's an insane, uh, like, like I reckon like guys like that, like the dudes from Andreessen Horowitz, they are the real like powerful people in the world. Like these are the guys choosing, you know, the the next Twitters and the next Facebooks to invest in and, yeah. and, and fueling them, which essentially changes the world in a big way. So yeah, I, I, quite, I quite like those guys. I really like Kevin Rose and his podcast. I'm a massive fan. I listen to a lot of those podcasts. I quite like Tim Ferriss's stuff. I don't listen to it uh, enough. And in terms of the businesses that have a similar model to founder that we're kind of looking at, think I'm kind of looking at thinking, yeah, that's cool, that it inspires me, uh, is, is in particular Vishen Lakiani from Mind Valley. Yep. I think he's doing an incredible job. Uh, that's a $100 million company now. Wow. Um, so I, I quite like to watch and listen and, and see what he has to say about all sorts of things and education in particular. And then – yeah, um, those are just a few that come to mind. Uh, so yeah, yeah, cool. That's that's good. Um, man, it's kind of hard. Like you're you're interested in so many areas. You've probably got people in online marketing that you look up to. People that are just doing inspirational stuff, and people who got similar businesses. Um, but I know yeah. talking to you, you could you could probably talk all day about about that topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. There's so many different people, man. And I I try to keep my finger on the pulse with everything. So I, I kind of have like a broad kind of reach of, of, you know, I'm signed up to everyone's email list. Oh, another one I really like, I think he's doing an incredible job is Ryan Dice. I think he's oh, yeah. I think he's done a, a, an incredible transition as a as an internet marketer to really build you know digital marketer as a brand yeah. and producing amazing content and very very good at email marketing and and producing really good quality content and paid products. I, I I'd like to speak to him. Um, I, I have a lot of respect for what he's done and I think he's smart, very smart guy. Yeah, I like it when these internet marketer guys just go go beyond it and and build their own brands like like a sort of Clay Collins lead pages type mm. thing or um you know uh, Nathan Barry with ConvertKit guys that were sort of known as doing info products have just gone into build build products and and are doing something a lot bigger and more scalable. Um, it's mm. it's interesting to follow that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think Ryan Dice is doing an incredible job. I, I really like his stuff. Yeah, and he's even he he does um big conferences around the world and stuff as well as part of digital marketers, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently I haven't been to one, but apparently they're really, really good. Mm. Cool. What about, um, so Adam and Claire from your group says, what was your vision for founder when you started? And we did talk a little bit about the origin story, but we didn't really talk specifically about like, what, what were you thinking? Where would you, were thinking it would end up? Oh, dude, I had no idea. When I first started, I was hoping that I could get a marketing job. And I remember I even went to a, a marketing interview in, internally at the company I was working at. I didn't get that job. And I took my iPad with the first two issues of the magazine to show them how oh, keen shit. I was to work in marketing. Wow, that's and cool. they didn't give me the job. They didn't give me the job. Um, they, they chose someone else. 
and I had a master's of marketing and I was so hungry. They just wouldn't give me a crack. Even though I was like really good friends with the CEO and he's like a mentor to me, it was kind of like out of his court. Like he just left the decision up to the you know, the head of marketing and stuff and it just didn't work out. It was, it was kind of blessing in disguise. But Absolutely, so, yeah. So you can you can see um, from there like the, there was no vision. It was like when I first started, it was like, can I get a job in marketing? Maybe I can turn this into a lifestyle business and I could travel the world. But um, the more and more I, as time went on and the more and more people I started speaking to, it was like it's not a matter of if I can build up founder to to leave my job and do this stuff full time. It was a matter of when. And then I just kept working from that. And then and then even when I left my job, I remember having a, a, a specific conversation with with that um, in particular mentor, um, Daryl Wade, who I've interviewed for the podcast as well. I'll tell you what episode that was. That was episode 74. So for episode 74, um, that was an incredible interview. And I remember actually having a conversation with him um, after I'd left my job and we caught up, you know, six months later and I said, look, I don't know if I want to make this uh, an actual startup or a lifestyle business. I've got two choices now. I can go off and really scale this thing up or I can just travel the world and just work on the magazine and work with contractors and, and just, you know, kind of pot around. And he said, he said, you know what kind of business I think you should build. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, you know, I just kind of fell in love with, you know, the vision and, and now we think a hundred times bigger and just kind of evolved. Ah, that's really cool. Um, Dave Jennings asks, why do you go to the US every year? Yeah, so that's a really great question. That's something that I started doing last year. So the thing is, right, a lot of people, online entrepreneurs, startups, it's all happening in the States. Me and you both know this, Dan. Like it's not, it's not as nowhere near as prevalent, nowhere near as powerful, nowhere near as many uh, next level connections in Australia compared to the States. So we know that. So middle last year, I said to myself, I've got to go to the States. I've got to catch up with a lot of these people I speak to on Skype, a lot of people, that, these friends that I've made online. And I've got to catch up and, you know, just get amongst the startup culture. And that's what I did. And it was amazing. I was lucky enough to, you know, catch up for coffee with Seth Godin, you know, had a game-changing conversation with him and all these other crazy people. And you know, I, I realized that if if founder is really going to grow, I need to stay on the cutting edge. And and when I went there, after I left, I was so embarrassed with my vision that it just caused this trigger inside of me to just think a hundred times bigger. And now I think a hundred times bigger, I'm pushing a hundred times harder, speed and urgency, you know, ramped up times a hundred with everything we do. And now it's like, okay, this is a thing that I do every single year and I'm doing it again this year. And I go for, you know, four, four to five weeks every single year and just network, speak to game changers, just try and just try and grab some of what's going on in the States because people in the States think so much bigger and I need that to, to push harder and faster. For sure. And, uh, yeah, grow the company. Love it. Okay, last community question. David says, how do you, how do you pronounce mojito? <laughs> Yeah, I pronounce it Majito, uh, <laughs> taking the piss. Uh, and what I mean by taking the piss, just as a laugh or being an idiot. Uh, that's kind of like my humor. I have very dry humor. And uh, yeah, so the so the inside joke is uh, a while back, uh, me, David, and Dan Norris. So David, he works at, at, at Founder. He's pretty much like, our, you know, like my right-hand man. Um, you know, we went and got, we had got some drinks and, you know, I want to get Majitos and, and I actually at the bar asked, you know, can I have three Majitos or whatever? And now it's just a joke. And I always call Majitos Majitos just to be an idiot. It's just funny. So, but just yeah. to clarify, did at the time, did you think it was actually pronounced Majito? No, I was just taking the fit. <laughs> to be honest, I've been doing that for years, man. Like I, you're not the only person I say that to, and I just do it to take the piss, just for a laugh. And I tried to convince you that that's what I thought. Yeah. All right. Well, that's been fun. Um, I've I've just got one more question to wrap up, and that is where will found. This isn't a community question, but I, th I think a couple of people might have asked something similar. Where will founder be in three to five years from now? <sighs> Hard to say. Being a young kid, you know, people consider me young. I'm 29. I do, you know, 
fantasize of one day maybe selling the company. Who knows? I don't know if if um, it'll ever come to that because I love I love you know this, what I do at Founder I was born to do. Um, but I think in three to five years, I don't like to think that far ahead. I tried to think max two to three years ahead, but in three to five years, I'd anticipate that we'd be getting closer to becoming, you know, a very well-known brand, maybe not to the point of Inc, Fast Company, Forbes or Entrepreneur, but kind of like, you know, like a, the next web kind of caliber. Yeah. Um, I, I believe that in the next three to five years, at least in the tens of millions, at least tens and tens of millions will consume our content, whether it's through radio, video, audio, whatever, web traffic, like web traffic, social. Um, and it's kind of exciting even talking about to think, you know, how far it, I, I believe we can take the brand. And also I think we'll be very, very big on, on producing high quality content at scale and uh, yeah, the the um, the opportunities that we have in front of us are kind of endless. But that's yeah, in terms of reach and, and impact, I'd, I'd anticipate in the next three to five years in the tens of millions um, in, impacting. Yeah, for sure, well, every single month. Well, knowing you, I'm sure you'll achieve that and more. Um, so thanks for letting me do this. It's been really really fun, and thanks for everything you do, all the content you guys put out. It's really inspirational for other people. Um, and congratulations on the 100 episodes. And I wish you a good 100 more and all the best in the future. I look forward to catching up for a Magito. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Look, I uh, really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. This is an incredible interview. I knew you'd do an amazing job. So, yeah, thank you so much for the kind words, dude. It's uh, been amazing, um, you know, having you as a close friend and uh, just bouncing ideas and helping each other grow. So, yeah, thanks again, dude. All good. See you soon, brother. Ciao. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.